Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Vertical Church, man, we're so excited that you're here today uh, as we kick off uh, our new series called Ooh La La, and uh, we'll be talking about a few of the reasons why maybe you showed up today, which includes the um, the child care and the date night. Pastor Brian's going to talk about that at the end, but what I wanted to do, because it's Valentine's Day, I wanted to open up by talking about the pros and cons of celebrating Valentine's Day. The pros and cons of celebrating Valentine's Day. Here we go. The first one. Pro, it's a day to spend with the one you love most of all. Or con, as Donald Trump calls that, me time. (laughs) Wow. Okay, tough crowd. All right, let's see if this next one works. Pro, your Valentine's Day story got featured on a TV show. Con, Netflix's new documentary, Making a Stalker. (laughs) Have you seen Making a Murderer? Man, Steve, that whole Avery family, you know, I don't know. Anyway, if you haven't watched it, like, seriously, don't start it because you won't go to sleep until you finish all ten episodes. All right, pro, a romantic dinner leads to fireworks in the bedroom. (laughs) Con, a Chipotle dinner leads to fireworks in the bathroom. (laughs) Gotta watch out for Chipotle. All right, pro, giving your crush a Valentine that says, I like you. Do you like me? Yes or no? Con, getting one back that says, maybe. Oh, I hated that. Did you ever have that happen to you? Like you give a girl like a, a Valentine's, like, I like you. Do you like me? Yes or no? And she gives it back to you. Maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, pro, coming to Vertical Church equals free night of childcare. Con, con, what con? There is no con. There's no con to that. That is all pro. Last one, uh, pro getting all dressed up for a fancy romantic evening out. Con, only to lose your reservations due to a bridge lift. Only here in Hampton Roads would you lose your reservation because of a bridge lift. All right, Uh, let's kick off our series. What is ooh la la? Like, what is that? Well, Ooh la la is, is really, it doesn't really have a definition. Um, it's, it's kind of that just, you know it when you see it. You know what I mean? Like, you know it when you feel it. It's that, it's that deeper than surface level connection that you have with, you know, a spouse or, or someone you're engaged to, a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, it's that, it's that special something that we can't really define, but we know we've got it when we've got it. It's like the it factor. You know, we never know what it is, and we can't really put our finger on it, but we know it when we see it. And the reason we're doing this series is because when, it, when we think about the demographics of our church, if you look around, you'll notice there's a lot of uh, young, like a lot of people under the age of 35. Uh, which means there are a lot of people in this room who are just starting out on this journey of a relationship. And maybe they haven't even hit year seven yet. And we've, we've come to discover that it's at year seven, like the seven-year itch is a real thing. When you hit year seven in your marriage, that's when, you know, the, the, the newness has already worn off and the commitment is starting to wane. And so you're starting to get antsy. I was talking to a guy who, who, who attends our church. Uh, his name is George. He was looking around in the lobby last week, and he's like, man, there's so many 
uh, younger people here. I feel like a really, you know, I feel like the old man. And it's true. There are a lot of young families that attend our church. And here's what, here's what I know about me and what I believe is true about our church. I believe that we are positioned to help young couples, young families, start the right way or restart after the wheels have fallen off. Because some of you in this room, maybe you started a long time ago, but somewhere along the way, on this drive together that you're on, the wheels fell off. And everything seemed to be collapsing. and Everything seemed to be going wrong. Well, I believe that, that one of the things that our church is positioned to do is to come alongside of you, help you put the wheels back on, and get you headed in the right direction again. I, when, when we look around and the success of our marriage is really no better than a coin flip, then we know this is something not that we ought to talk about once every three or four years, but this is something that we have to come back to over and over and over again because because I get to sit with too many uh, men most of the time because I don't really do like one-on-ones with a female because, you know, I don't want my wheels to fall off. So (laughs) boundaries, okay? If you don't hear anything else, Boundaries. So I, I sit with too many guys whose story goes, Pastor Josh, everything was going good. And then something changed. Everything was going fine. And, and, and then one day it seemed like it wasn't. And I don't know what's going on. And, and we need help. Well, to get started, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Jacob. Jacob's story is not like fresh. This is not uh, somebody you know. This is actually somebody from the Bible, his story. And I just want to tell you that because I think in Jacob's story, there's some things that really we can identify with. And a lot of times Jacob gets a bad rap. We, we got to cut the guy some slack. He had a difficult childhood. Jacob was the second born of twins. His brother Esau was born just before. In fact, uh, scripture says that Jacob came out holding and grasping Esau's heel. So, so his parents named him Jacob, which means heel grabber, which is a euphemism for really deceiver, liar. Can you imagine growing up in that family? Every time your mom and dad like called your name, you were reminded, you're a liar. <laughs> hey, liar, come here. Hey, liar, go pick up your clothes. Hey, liar, take the trash out. Hey, liar. Where's the dog? Hey, liar, go walk the dog. And so Jacob in his life, every time he he turns around, somebody's calling him a liar. And the fact is, he lives up to that name. I mean, the guy is a deceiver. He he deceived his older brother out out of his birthright, which is kind of the inheritance, and the blessing of his father, which in those days was a huge deal. And he deceived him out of that. He, he deceived uh, his uncle uh, out, of, out of the best uh, the best sheep in the flock of sheep when he went to live with his uncle for, for, for years. He deceived his uncle out of the best of the sheep. And then the tables get turned on Jacob and the deceiver gets deceived. And where else can you get deceived but in love? <laughs> Right? Like it is the, if, if nothing else will get you in your life, man, love will take you out. And, and Jacob is on his way to his, his uncle's house and he sees this girl at a well. Her name's Rachel. And, and he is mesmerized as soon as he sees her. Matter of fact, when he first lays eye on her, I'm not joking. If you want to go back and, if you want to go back and look at it, um, check it out in Genesis chapter 29. When he sees Rachel, he starts crying. <laughs> the man is weeping because she is so 
beautiful. And then look at this, verse, uh, verse 16 of Genesis chapter 29. If you don't have a Bible, just look at the screen by me. It says this, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And look at the description that the writer of Genesis gives us. Verse 17, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure. And was beautiful. Now, that description of Leah calling her, you know, that she has weak eyes, that's a that's a that's an ancient way of saying Leah wasn't all that attractive. <laughs> she wasn't very pretty, okay? She she was U-G-L-Y. She didn't have an alibi. The girl was not attractive. How do you know this? What, what does that mean? Well, even in, even today, even in current days, there are parts of the world that still do this. Women in certain parts of the world today, they have to cover their entire body except their eyes. Same thing in Jacob's day. Women covered their entire body except for their eyes. So the only thing you got to see was her eyes. So if you said she had weak eyes, she wasn't attractive. But if she had bright eyes, she was attractive. And so Leah has weak eyes. And of course, the next line, if you continue the scripture, says, you know, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And Jacob was in love with Rachel, <laughs> the pretty one, <laughs> the beautiful one, the one with a lovely figure, right? And, and Jacob agrees to work for seven years for her dad. He agrees that he's going, because he wants to marry her. As soon as he sees her, it's like love at first sight. He starts crying and he says, I will work for you for seven years if you let me marry Rachel. And he says, okay, good deal. So Jacob does it. And, and scripture says that Jacob felt like it was only a few days. That sounds romantic, right? Like it was just a few days, man. A few days, seven years flew by. And some of us know what that's like. Like those of you who went through a prolonged engagement or maybe a prolonged dating time and you look back at it now and you're like, man, that was just like a few days because I was so in love. <laughs> and that's what Jacob felt. He was so in love with Rachel that seven years just flew by. And then it comes to this point where he looks at, looks at Rachel's dad and he says, give me my wife. My time is completed, and I want to make love to her. Not very subtle, right? Like, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily, that is not the way I would ask my, I would have asked my father-in-law for Hope's hand in marriage, but that's the way Jacob did. Listen, pops, I, I, I'm finished, and I, I want to take your uh, daughter to the bedroom and do what married people do. And so that's the way Jacob does it, right? So the wedding night comes. He goes into the tent. It's dark. She's there. There are, there are no electricity, so there are no lights. It's just romantic. And then the camera pans to the ceiling, and the show goes to commercial. Because we're watching network TV. We're not watching cable access, okay? Pan to the ceiling. All seems to be good. Jacob has finally, finally uh, you know, gotten the fullness of the love that he's been waiting for for seven years. And then... The next verse comes, and Jacob's in for a surprise. Look at this, verse 25. When morning came, so the TV show comes back on, it's morning time. There was Leah. <laughs> he can see now. In the dark, he didn't know who he was making love to. But in the light, he wakes up in the morning, and there's old weak eyes. <laughs> you know what? Marriage feels like that sometimes, don't it? You go to, you, you, you thought you were with Rachel, 
You, you thought your spouse was Rachel. And then you wake up one morning and you look over on the other side and Rachel has become Leah. One morning, it might be years from when you said I do, you wake up and your Rachel has become Leah. You thought you married one person. You look over and you're like, who are you? What happened? What's going on? <laughs> you changed. You know what? I've been married now, what is this, 2016, almost 12 years, 11 and a half years. And I can tell you something in 11 and a half years of marriage. Marriage will let you down. Marriage will leave you disappointed. There will come a day, I don't care who you are, I don't care who you're married to. There will come a day you will wake up in the morning next to Leah instead of Rachel. Because marriage is incredible. Marriage is awesome, but it's not paradise. It's really tough, and love will let you down, no matter who you are. There's going to come a day in your relationship when you're going to wake up one morning, and you're going to look at him, you're going to look at her, and you're going to like, who are you? Where did Rachel go? Why are you Leah? Like, what is going on? Wake up one morning, and you're going to be next to Leah. But, but I'm actually getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's actually talk about love. That's what we're here today to do. Let's talk about love because we need to define love. Like, what does that even mean, right? I love you. Like, what are we even saying when we say that? Because love is really a junk drawer of all kinds of meanings, right? Like, I say, I love God. And then I say, I love sushi. <laughs> and I love fish tacos, which I do love fish tacos, <laughs> Fish tacos are awesome. I love you, God. I love my wife. And I love fish tacos. Love, man, it's so inclusive. It's such a broad word, right? Like, it's so generic that it, that it really doesn't even mean anything. If we look at it, love, love basically just means I've got, I've got passion for this thing, Right? Or this activity, like, I love to surf, or, or I love that new record by Adele, which is awesome. Or, you know, <laughs> I love chips and guacamole, you know? I, I, I love that. And when we aim it at people, it really, just means, it really just means I have deep feelings of affection for you. I love you. I feel deeply about you. I have deep affections. Love like this is, is just pure, unfiltered emotion. In love like this, your role is passive. Love is something that happens to you. Think about the words, I fell in love. Or, or, or I want to fall in love. Like, I want to trip over a rock. <laughs> how, do you, how do you fall in love? It sounds awesome. It sounds romantic. And it's beautiful. And it's great. But it has a dark side. Because if you can fall in love, then you can fall out of it. If you're passive in love, if love is something that happens to you, what happens when somebody comes along that makes you feel more alive than the person you're with? Well, if you're dating, you know, no big deal. You break up, move on, you know, next person up, next person standing. Let's go. Let's keep this train moving. But what if you're married? What if you're engaged? What do you do? What do you do when somebody else makes you feel that way more than the person you're with? Do you, do you stay? 
Or do you go the way of the coin flip? What do you do? When, when, when somebody makes you feel more loved. Well, I think that means we need a redefinition of love. We need to dig down and discover what is love. Like, what is it really? And we find that, we find that, um, that answer in Scripture. We find that definition in Scripture. It's a, it's a letter in the New Testament called 1 John, written by a guy named John, obviously. 1 John, written by John. It's complicated how they name these writings in the Bible. Um, John writes this letter, and John spent years with Jesus. John spent three years with Jesus Christ with love in flesh. So in ways, he's like a love expert, except he's not a little troll on Frozen. Um, <laughs> preschool parents, they got that one. Appreciate that. <clears throat> so he says this. <clears throat> Jeez. He says this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. He says this. He says, this is love. All right, cool. He's going to define for us what love is. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Okay, well, how did he love us, John? What does love look like? Okay, here's what it looks like. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John says there it is in black and white. Like, there's love. If you want to know what love is, love is Jesus on the cross. Like, that's love. Or to put it visually. So sometimes I I recognize things visually. So love looks like this. Let's go to the next one. Love equals cross. That's love. Well, what does that mean? Love is selfless. Love is actually self-giving. If you want to know what love is, John says, if you want to know what love is, take a look at a Jewish prophet on a cross 2,000 years ago bleeding and dying for you. If you want to know what love is, take a look at God giving all of himself for you. He says, that's Love. Now, that's not quite deep feelings of affection, right? Now, don't get me wrong. When Jesus is doing this, Scripture says that he did it for the joy set before him. So, yes, Jesus was feeling something, and love is emotion, but it's so much more than emotion. In fact, if we go back, let's go back to what John said, 1 John chapter 4, 10, back to that slide. He said that this is love. So he says love is a noun, not that we loved. Verb. Love is a noun and love is a verb. In love, the noun, like we said, your role is passive. Love is something that happens to you. You're in the passenger seat. You're along for the ride. But then love is also a verb. Love is something that you do. Love is action that you take. You're at the driver's, you're you're in the driver's seat love. Not only are you in the passenger seat, but you're also in the driver's seat. Now, there's nothing wrong with love the noun. Absolutely nothing wrong with love the feeling, love the emotion. God created that. Listen to me. God created romantic feelings. We see this all through the Bible. Matter of fact, the first words that came out of humanity's mouth in Genesis chapter 2 was a love song. When Adam looks at what God has created, Eve, he sings over her. He sings a love song to her and over her. That's beautiful. There's a whole whole book of the Bible called Song of Solomon. It's all like this huge erotic love poem song about romantic feelings. 
and it's beautiful. But the thing about feelings, man, feelings can be selfish because let's just be honest. I love you oftentimes means you make me feel good. You make me happy. And so I love you. I have this connection because you make me feel a certain way. And that's not all bad, but it doesn't take a psychologist to figure out there's danger in that. Because what happens when you stop making me feel that way? And so that's why, that's why the New Testament authors over and over again, when they talk about love, they point to Jesus on the cross. This, this selfless, uh, selfless ultimate act of giving of himself. Which is why exactly why God can command us to love. Because you can't command emotions. I want you, you have to feel this certain way. No, 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 no. God says, you know, we are to love one another, which means self-giving. It's, love is romantic feelings, but it's more than that. It's so much more than that. We've already said uh, that, that love is a little bit of like a junk drawer that we just toss all kinds of things in there, but... In, 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 in Hebrew, and I'm not like a Hebrew scholar, but in the Old Testament Hebrew, they had all sorts of different words for love, each one of them drawing a specific nuance, a specific meaning of love. And I want to share a few of them with you. The first one is this, raya. Raya, you can raya somebody. This is like friendship love. This is, I want to get away with you. I want to go somewhere for the weekend. I want to date you. I want to spend time with you. I want to play. I want to goof off. I want to have fun. I want us to live life together side by side. And there's this Hebrew story where a man says to his girlfriend, he says, arise, my raya, my beautiful one, and come with me. I want to get away with you. Let's go hang out together. Let's have date night and let's talk about our hopes and our dreams. Let's connect with each other on a, on, on a friendship level. And then there's another word. Another word is dode. D-O-D, dode. It's, it's, it's this, um, you know what dode is. <laughs> um, it's, the, it's the opening line of that, uh, that erotic love poem in the Bible, Song of Solomon. Check this out, verse 1 of chapter 1. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your dode more delightful than wine. Dode is when everything in your body is turned on for this person, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just, let's just you know, your, your, whole, your whole body is being pulled into his or her sway. And you, you, you are, you know, fellas, you see that, you see that lady, you see your lady, and you're like, I want to make babies with you. Right now, let's, you know, that's dode. I'm, I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just telling you what it is. Okay, ladies, you see that guy and all you can think about is I wonder what his skin feels like against my skin. Dode, dode is, is, is when keeping your hands to yourself takes all the energy that you have. That's dode, you know what I mean? And dode is, is really awesome. And we're going to talk about dode later in our series, not today, so don't worry about it. There's a third word, the third word that I really want to talk about this morning. It's this, ahava. Everybody say that. You got to kind of put a guttural sound in the H. Ahava. It, it, it's, it's both of those. Y'all did great, by the way. Ahava is, 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 is both of those, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's wider and, and 
stronger and, and deeper. It, it's, it's love down in the core of your soul. It's, it's an unbending, unflinching, relentless kind of love. At the end of Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, he says this, uh, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for your ahava, or for ahava, is as strong as death. It's jealousy, unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench Ahava. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all of the wealth of one's house for Ahava, it would be utterly scorned. You see kind of what the writer's saying there. He's saying that, that, that Ahava is this unstoppable force. It's like a fire. It's like a, it's like a raging inferno fire that cannot be stopped, that cannot be quenched, that you couldn't get a tsunami to put this thing out. It is burning that hot. The point is Ahava is this strong, staying power, resolve, love. It includes the word that we use, commitment. <laughs> Something that, that, that builds up a head of steam and breaks through any obstacle that tries to stop it. And I just want to tell you something this morning. It is the one and only kind of love that's going to see your relationship through those early deep feelings of affection. Through those first years of dode, right? To... to, to, to Highs and lows. Ahava is the only thing that will see you through marriage and family and career and unemployment and suffering and celebration and sickness and aging. Ahava. Un and unyielding. You see, Raya is vital. You need to be friends, but you need more than that. And Dode is awesome, but you need more than that because no matter how beautiful he is and no matter how beautiful she is, they will get older. <laughs> they will wrinkle. Age will start taking its effect and they will decay. You need Ahava. You need Jesus-shaped, cross-carrying love. Ahava is what enabled and compelled Jesus to walk through a crowd of haunting spectators, pass a Roman guard with a bag of nails in their hands, up to a cross to give all of himself. So you need Ahava in your marriage because it will do the same thing for you. So back to the beginning story. Jake. Jake, Leah, and Rachel, right? Kind of this confusing, you know, uh, Springer show. I don't, I don't even understand what's going on. <laughs> Jacob wakes up, and it's not Rachel, it's Leah. And, and he's disappointed, and he feels let down. He's expecting to see this beautiful bride with a lovely figure, and instead he sees weak eyes. Eventually he'll marry Rachel, Okay. Like I said, or I've said this over and over again, when we talk about biblical family, we got to be real careful <laughs> because this is a biblical family and he's got two wives and I think they're both related to him. So let's not use their family as an example of what we want to try to emulate. 
he's married to both girls, sisters. He's married to two sisters. And somebody say dysfunction, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. Leah knows she's second string. Can you imagine what that does to a woman's identity? She knows she's not as good as her sister. She knows he does not love her like he loves his, her, her, her sister. She knows she's second string. And Jacob and his father-in-law, they're both liars and deceivers. They make really great examples. And Rachel's not all that great because her character actually falls short of her beauty. Because we'll see in the story that she lies, she steals, she worships other gods. And all the while, Leah's standing there in second place. In many ways, the way Jacob... Well, when he woke up that morning and he felt let down and he felt disappointed, that's what Leah felt the whole time in her marriage. Disappointed. Let down. What happens in her life? And this is the thing I want to encourage you with today. She has eight sons. She, now, now, that might not mean much to you right now, but stay with me, okay? She has eight sons, which is absolutely huge in those days. One of those sons is named Judah. And from Judah's family, Israel gets a whole long line of kings like King David, King Solomon, King Hezekiah, King Josiah. And hundreds of years later, one born in a cave in Bethlehem named Jesus from Leah. So you might have woken up this morning and you felt like you were married to Leah. You might have woken up this morning and you felt like your marriage was one big fat letdown. You might have woken up this morning and looked at the relationship that you have with your spouse and all you could feel was a feeling of disappointment. But I want you to know something this morning. Even if your marriage feels like Leah, there's a lot of life that can come out of Leah. Even if your marriage feels like a dis- disappointment, God can work in your disappointment. Even if your marriage feels like a letdown, God specializes in letdowns. Even if you feel like Leah has weak eyes and is nothing going to come out of that relationship, life and salvation can come from your marriage, even if it feels like Leah this morning. How do you do that? Ahava. That's how you do it. Ahava. And the only way to connect with Ahava is to connect with Jesus because he is Ahava in flesh. And so this morning, I don't know what you came in feeling. I want you to know, man, the letdowns in your marriage will come. Okay? Disappointment will come. It's going to come. All the time. And you'll feel like, who are you? What happened to us? And when you feel that way, you have to remind yourself of something. My marriage might look like Leah right now, but God's not done. And because God's not done, my marriage isn't finished. And if my marriage isn't finished, that means the best is yet to come for us. So I've just got to believe that the Ahava of God that is living inside of me is going to live outside of me and transform this Leah marriage into something that can produce life, into something that can be living and breathing and bring more promise and fulfillment to to, to the world, to myself than I can never imagine. There's a lot of life. 
that can come out of your marriage this morning. There's a lot of purpose that can be birthed in your relationship. There's a lot of potential that you haven't tapped yet because you haven't realized the ahava of God living in you can transform your situation. And you just have to connect to the, to the self-giving love of Jesus Christ. It's the only way for, for, for you to experience ahava in your marriage that might feel like Leah. Well, how do I do that? You have to surrender to Jesus. You have to surrender to Jesus. If you haven't surrendered to love in flesh, how can the love of God not only flow and fill your life, but fill your marriage? Really? Like it all, it, surrendering my life to Jesus will make my marriage better? Absolutely. Because this is love. Not that we have love. Not that we know anything about love in the first place. This is love. That God loved us and sent his son for us. This is love. How can I say I love you, whom I can see right now? I have not loved him. If you want love, if you want ahava in your marriage, if you want, if you felt like you woke up next to Leah this morning, let me encourage you. Surrender your life to Jesus. I did that already. Surrender it again. What about my marriage? Surrender your marriage to Jesus. What about my spouse? You need to surrender your spouse to Jesus. How do I do that? You got to let him go. You can't, you got to stop trying to fix him or fix her. You just got to focus on the love of God in your own life. Let the Ahava of God work itself out in your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we, um, we're all here this morning recognizing, God, that none of us have the perfect marriage. None of us have the perfect love relationship. None of us, God, have, have arrived at some state of, of perfection. We all have issues. We all have disappointments. We all have letdowns, God. We all, everybody in the room, wakes up one morning and we see Leah laying next to us. And God, that can feel like a big letdown. That can feel like a big disappointment. And God, sometimes that can throw us, uh, throw us for a loop and we get the itch and we go the way of the coin flip. Today, God, I'm praying that we would immerse ourselves in the love of God, the ahava of God. So much so, so fully, that when that morning comes, we would know the love that is stronger than death. We would know the love that is as unyielding as the grave. We would know the love that is like a fire that cannot be quenched. We would know the love that, that would give everything and sell off everything
this morning while you're sitting there. If you wouldn't mind, just uh, if you don't have your eyes closed already, would you just close your eyes? I just want to, we're, we're almost wrapped up this morning, and I just want you to, I, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to, to, you know, do really do anything. I just want you to get real with yourself, okay? I think you, I think you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself. And I just want to lead you through a short reflection. I want you to take stock of your own life. And if you're married, of your marriage. If you're, if you're single, of your prospects. If you're dating, of your dating relationship. If you're engaged, of what the future looks like. And the first question I want to ask you this morning is, how is it with you and Jesus? Do you feel the, the love of God living in your life. Now, it doesn't mean that you get everything right. It doesn't mean that, that you never mess up, that you never make mistakes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just asking, have you connected with the love of God, with life itself? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Josh, I'm not ready for that. I've got so many areas of my life that I need to clean up first, that i gotta, that I got to I gotta, I gotta arrange all of the things in my life before I make that step. No, 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 you don't. That is a tactic of the enemy to get you to delay the best thing that could happen to you. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to situate and work things out before you make that step. Matter of fact, it's taking that step that will then enable you that will then give you the power to, that will then enable you to go into your life and make changes. But you'll never make those changes if you're waiting to take that step. Because you don't have the power. So this morning, I just want you to be honest. Have you connected with Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Him? If you have not,
rest of us, maybe this morning you need to take your, your spouse by the hand. Maybe if both of you are believers and you've hit that, you've hit that morning, man, where they became Leah and she became Leah and he became Leah and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I want you to take them by the hand and I want to pray over you and I want you to pray for her, guys. I want you to pray for her. Ladies, I want you to pray for him. If you don't pray for each other, who's going to pray for you? Let them hear you. You don't have to be loud, but you might want to get right up in their ear and just whisper to each other. And how how am I going to pray this morning? Take them by the hand and just say, Father, we know the love of Jesus. We invite the love of God to fill our relationship. I forgive him or I forgive her. whatever's going on and and I ask them to forgive me. You might want to tell your your, your spouse that right now. I forgive you. Will you forgive me? In this relationship, fill it with the love of God. As we put you first, Jesus, as you are the center, the cornerstone, the, 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 the first building block of our marriage, our foundation, we invite you into our relationship. We invite the Ahava of God into our hearts, into our home, into our family. so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. 
Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.